0: Welcome home. I'm Dr. Tama, a minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist, and this is Homecoming, a podcast to facilitate your journey home to yourself. While I will provide weekly inspiration and mental health tips, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. I'm so excited you're on the journey. If you want to request specific topics or share your progress, email me at homecomingpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, after you listen, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Let's begin. Welcome home, cojourners. I'm glad you're here. And so pleased that we have a poetry submission for this week from Julani Kahaji. And if you are a new listener for the podcast, I invite you to write a poem about your homecoming journey and send it to me at homecomingpodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com. And Julani's poem is called I'm Not a Mother Yet, and I'm going to read an excerpt from it. My whole life, I thought that because I'm not a mother yet, I had no work to do that because I hadn't had a child or even a husband yet, that I was cool. There was no need to think about it. I mean, why stress over something that's not here yet? When little did I know I had to put some things in check, like my belief that I didn't deserve love, like my ability to choose everyone but myself rising above, my needs, my dreams, and my desires, because I, the divine goddess that I am, did not even matter. I'm not a mother yet, but I realized that I couldn't be. I didn't want to risk messing my child up to be like me, someone who's unworthy, not worthy enough to find a stable mate, someone that would want to procreate with love, with intention, and with a divine connection to each other, so much so that we just fit like a glove. But how, when my daddy didn't even see my value, How, when my innocence meant nothing to that dude? How, when I saw my mother struggling when she didn't have to? Because I'm not a mother yet, but I want to be. I finally see myself in alignment with divinity. My ever-flowing and abundant energy is sacred, is greatness, and it's definitely not the fake. Because I am connected to a bloodline of strength. I am connected to a bloodline of purpose, and I am connected to a bloodline of power. My Blackness and my womanness give me an inherent superpower. I've built nations with my presence. I've brought light to such dark situations. Thank you so, so much for this powerful, powerful piece, and I really honor you naming later in the poem, the fact that although you're not a parent yet, you've had to reparent yourself. And we even have an episode on reparenting, giving ourselves what we feel we should have received, what uh, we did not get and what we want to edify our lives. And this piece is so thoughtful as we consider how we see ourselves And what are the messages that left us feeling like we were not worthy or not deserving of love, of being chosen, of being cared for, of being respected, of being nourished, of uh, really being seen fully and affirmed. And so thank you so much for your poem, and it connects with our theme for today, which is addressing the wounds of sexism. Addressing the wounds of sexism. And this is such an important topic, and I know uh, that we have people of all genders listening uh, to the podcast, and I want you to know you can more obviously see the impact of sexism on women and i want to also name that for those who are men or non-binary that it has an impact as well in terms of creating these boxes that we are supposed to fit in and that we are penalized for uh, that we are bullied that we are manipulated uh, that we are discarded if we are not following the script that people have written about what a real woman is or what a real man is. And so it is so critical on this journey home to ourselves that we really examine the messages that we have been given as it relates to gender. What are the messages that you received as a child about what a girl was supposed to do how you were supposed to dress, what you were supposed to like or be interested in, how you were supposed to dream or not dream, how you were supposed to speak or not speak, and also thinking about the messages that you received about what a boy was supposed to do, had the capacity to do, uh, was encouraged to do, and what they were discouraged to do. So many stories can come to mind, examples of when you were directly given a script about what it meant uh, for you to live in the body you live in. And those can be subtle and they can be very blatant. Uh, One example that comes to mind that many of you may have seen is if uh, boys are playing sports and even if they're very young, if they fall down, if they hurt themselves, if they start crying, there is big outrage, you know, because boys are not supposed to cry. Not only if they're in physical pain, they're not supposed to cry, but even when they're in emotional pain, given this message that it is not acceptable to quote unquote be soft or to quote unquote be like a girl, that in some ways that is uh, thrown out as an insult. And then I encourage you to think about those day to day messages that you may have received in your family, in your culture, in your community, in your religion, and in the larger society about what it meant to be a girl and what it meant to be a woman and what that gets measured against, um, that that is the requirement you're supposed to wear makeup or is the requirement that you're supposed to dress in a certain way or that there are certain skills that you are supposed to have just been born with, right? That automatically uh, the measure of your womanhood is Uh, in your skills in these particular areas or your interest in those areas. Or, of course, we get to the issue of body image and body shame of what uh, the ideal woman's body is supposed to be, what the ideal man's body is supposed to be, and the body shaming uh, that we carry when we are different from those ideals. And so what were the messages that you received about uh, not being developed enough or being too developed for your age or being too tall or too short uh, for a woman or for a man, for a girl or for a boy and uh, the ways in which we are told our value. Uh, So many of those who I mentor as uh, doctoral students and in various stages of their career Talk about within their family or culture and community, no matter how much they accomplish, no matter how much work they do to impact the community, uh, to be of service to the world and psychology and mental health. That a lot of times their family or culture will believe if they are not married or if they do not have children, that they are worthless or they um, are incomplete and so, I really uh, want us to think about psychologically what has been the impact of those messages you received because we have what's called internalized sexism, where we can come to believe those things and uh, follow those pressures. You know, and what were the decisions that you made based on those messages? You know, how did those messages affect the way you wore your hair? How did they affect who you dated or whom you didn't date? How did it affect um, who you married or who you did not marry? How did it affect your decisions around education or school and uh, the priorities, what you gave energy to? And then what were the consequences of the choices that you made? You know, the way in which you choose to show up in life, uh, in what spaces is that celebrated? And in what uh, places is that uh, demeaned or denigrated or rejected? And so it is so uh, important that we understand uh, the role of sexism and patriarchy to really silence the voices and experiences of girls and women um, and those who are non-conforming, that it is to keep us uh, in boxes and to keep us living small, to keep us uh, with powerless and hopeless um, and uh, dependent and uh, not being able to fully actualize ourselves as full beings. So, you know, of course, relationship is beautiful and at the same time recognizing uh, that you are praiseworthy, that you can be complete as a person in and of yourself. And then complete people can connect with other complete people and then together build relationship. Yes. Uh, But often that is not the message that we have received and it has an impact. And so there is both hostile sexism and benevolent sexism. So hostile sexism, uh, when you hear people that very blatantly hate women, right? Who talk in very uh, angry ways about, you know, women ain't this, women aren't that. Um, who also act out their sexism with violence against women. And uh, in the poem today, we heard about abandonment and also uh, abuse or violation. And so those would be Uh, acts of of hostile sexism. But then there's also benevolent sexism, which can appear to be in the form of a compliment. It can appear to be in the form of an affirmation, but the undertone is you are incapable, right? So I need to make decisions for you. I need to uh, speak for you. uh, And I am offering that." In a tone of kindness and consideration, but underneath of that is really my belief that uh, as a woman or as a girl, you don't have uh, the intelligence or the morality or the capacity to do these things, right? And so we want to be mindful of the different ways uh, that sexism can show up. In terms of, uh, in some families, uh, whose education is invested in. And I know we have a diverse community, an international community, and many have had the experience where uh, there was money found for boys to go to school, but not for girls. Whether we're talking about primary education um, or higher education, we also think about um, helping out. Uh, Around the house, you know, um, is it being presented as this is our home and we can all play a part and play a role? Um, Or many women and girls who grew up uh, with the direct message, the overt message that it is for you to do all of these things and it would be uh, inappropriate. Uh, For a boy or for a man to play a role in that. We see that around the home. We also see that around child fearing, uh, that for some, the assumption that boys and men should not help out at all um, when it comes to raising children, that they are only to provide the resource, but not emotional connection, not playing with the child, not talking with the child. And so thinking about The the limitations of that, not only uh, the additional weight that gets put on women and girls, but also this really narrow idea um, of what it means to be a man, that actually like to change a diaper or to feed a baby, if that is somehow a threat to someone's understanding of themselves as a man, right? How... um, tight, how narrow is that as a a way of living? And so uh, emotionally being cut off, right? I remember one of my students in the past telling me about how he was so um, startled by his father because his father had always told him uh, that men don't cry. And then at his grandfather's funeral, for the first time, he saw his father cry And he said he felt betrayed. He felt like, how dare he? Like, why is he falling apart? And he told me we're not supposed to do that. So, you know, you want to really consider what are these scripts that we're living in and living with? And it's not only what we have come to believe, but the reality is we get punished when we come out of those lines and out of those boxes and out of those categories um, that people will... Uh, call you names if you are uh, a woman in leadership, not only call you names, but uh, that you can face uh, financial consequences, social consequences, um, if you dare to believe that you have ideas that matter. And uh, so we see it in family life. We also can see it uh, in the workplace in terms of who is uh, promoted and who is not promoted. When we think about the names uh, that people are called in the workplace, how often women are more likely to be called by their first name and men by their last name or their title, Um, the way women in the workplace are expected to be the mother. Um, of the group, you know, that uh, expected to uh, either bring in food or to order uh, supplies, or well, that's not really their job duty. But because you are the woman here, oh, you take good care of us, right? So that becomes the, the expectation in addition to all of your other work uh, that you are to be the caretaker here. Uh, we also know working in environments and dealing with sexual harassment, And there can also be um, racialized sexual harassment, the ways in which uh, women of color are talked about, are demeaned, uh, whether we're talking about sexist and racist jokes, uh, whether we're even uh, talking about uh, physical um, violations in the workplace. And so uh, these experiences have shaped our lives at work, uh, in the home in the community, in our social settings, our dating lives and relationship lives, uh, what the rules are that we are um, told to live by and when it comes to uh, that romantic space, when it comes to family life, uh, even when it comes to sexual intimacy. And so a part of our homecoming is getting very clear about getting to redefine our roles, right? That so many people have told you and have told me what it means or how you are supposed to be. And sometimes we never even interrogate those messages. And not only do they get put on us um, by other people um, or put on us by men, but I wanna say, that often women have internalized those scripts and then pushed those on other women. When you hear women shaming other girls and women about their bodies, right? When you hear women shaming other girls and women about the fact that they're still single. When you hear women and uh, other girls shaming uh, women about uh, not having children. And so it is a painful reality that many have had to live with and to endure. And so I've gotten requests from several of you on this topic, not only sexism in general, um, but also sexism within marginalized communities. And this is particularly challenging when you are a part of um, a racially or ethnically marginalized group. So you already face racism. And so sometimes there is uh, this assumption or this pressure that um, we need to unite to fight racism. And so if you speak about sexism, you're being disloyal or you're being divisive or you're being distracted or you're adopting the agenda of white people. As opposed to recognizing sexism, even with, uh, within our communities, as a problem and as a source of oppression. And so I really encourage you to take sacred pause and one, raise awareness. You know, so a part of uh, womanist therapy or feminist therapy is uh, raising critical consciousness. And so becoming aware of the role sexism has played in my life, uh, that uh, the ways in which it has uh, contributed to my, or created my insecurities, uh, my body image, challenges with eating disorders, disconnection from the body or sexuality, uh, sense of shame and not feeling enough. You know, where those scripts really came from because as we start to connect the dots, uh, then we can uh, reject, reject, and resist and be intentional about uh, defining ourselves and gravitating to spaces that affirm the fullness of who we are, gravitating to relationships, where we are not silenced, uh, where we are not uh, marginalized, where uh, your intellect, your creativity, your gifts are not seen as a threat. If people are threatened by your voice, intimidated by your voice, uh, the fact that you have ideas and thoughts, to really uh, think seriously about the level of relationship uh, you want to foster in that space, right? Do you really want to be in relationship with someone who finds the idea of you having ideas a problem. So we want to uh, consider that in our awareness raising, in our defining ourselves, and it may not mean um, that you uh, reject every idea, but that you enlarge. My idea is it's a both and. Right. So you may enjoy doing some things that people associate with womanhood or manhood. And at the same time, if there is something that speaks life to you um, that falls outside of those lines for you to be really thoughtful um, before you suppress or reject that within yourself, you may have uh, an interest in a career. That uh, traditionally, mostly men do that career. Um, Your child may also um, have those um, ideas and dreams. And we don't want to be among those who have shattered the dreams of young people because uh, they were outside of the box. You know, if you have a daughter who wants to be president, right, for us not to quickly go to well, you would make a wonderful first lady, right? You know what are those 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 messages uh, that we give, right? Um, if you um, have have a son who loves to cook, right? For us to be really uh, hesitate to stop ourselves from like oh, you don't belong in the kitchen, right? That's not the place for you, right? And and also to free those around us so that we do not become agents of oppression. And if we have already done that um, for when we can, to go back and correct it, right? To go back and be accountable uh, and to enlarge and liberate our ideas of the ways in which we uh, can be in the world. And then uh, in the workplace, you know, looking for uh, mentorship is so important, especially um, if you are one of few women in your workspace um, and really um, cultivating the capacity to address things. Because I want to say when it comes to sexism in the workplace, some often because of our discomfort, We try to tolerate it it in silence. And one of the things I have learned from doing this work is that um, issues like sexual harassment usually escalate over time. So ignoring it is not usually an effective strategy. And so for us to be thoughtful and mindful, um, yes, of our safety and also uh, reclaiming our voice and looking for advocates and allies in that space uh, so that you don't have to deal with it alone or handle it alone. And, you know, when you're in spaces and uh, constantly being uh, interrupted or people downgrade uh, your ideas or your contribution, uh, when you see the double standard um, at play to really, I think, proactively about the ways, um, in which you want to show up. So as we have mentioned on prior episodes, for some of you, you will be change agents within. And for some of you, you may need to exit that space and work to create other spaces, right? So that's in work or family or community, uh, building. So for example, um, If you're on a job and people are making a lot of sexist comments, some people will say, I'm the person who bit by bit, step by step, I'm going to like shift this environment. And that's what's important to me. And I believe I can do it with other people. And then for others of you, it's that this place is too toxic. It is too hostile. It is bad for my mental health. It is bad for my physical health. I have to get out of here. And so wherever you land, um, I honor I honor you. Um, Another important space that I haven't named uh, yet is, of course, in religious spaces. You know, to be in a faith community that affirms your sacredness, your value, your worth, as opposed to some faith communities that will only present girls and women as sources of sin, as sources of temptation, as being morally weak. Uh, so if you're in a space where, you know, the, the with spirituality and religion and faith, you know, it is to uh, enlarge you, right? To uh, To, for you to live with your full capacity, right? The fullness of life. And so if you're in a faith space and by virtue of your gender, every time you're in that place and leave that place, you feel less right, you feel demoralized, Um, you want to really reflect on that and know that there are other spaces, you know, just for you to consider. And also to know that there are some people who are change agents within those spaces and have had impact, right, in terms of uh, the teachings, in terms of affirmation. Um, And so some of you are in places um, that were very rigid and limiting and demeaning toward women. And you have seen women and men come in and uh, transform those spaces in beautiful ways. It's not perfect yet, but it's a work in progress. And then some of you have said, I have to get out of here and have made your exit and have created other sacred spaces. And so it is important that when we consider sexism, we do the internal work of awareness, but also nourishing, nurturing, and affirming ourselves. And I wanna say specifically, as it relates to sexism towards girls and women, uh, that your greatness, your ability, your intelligence, your creativity is not in spite of your gender right? It's not like, oh, you know, even though you're a woman, you're smart. No, there is, you come from a great legacy, a great lineage. And this is Women's History Month uh, in the U.S. And so uh, where you can really look at those who came before you, whether in your family or not in your family, who have been, who have done both remarkable things and also those who have done these kind of daily acts. Uh, resistance, right? These daily small acts um, uh, of shifting their internal world and the world around them. And so I affirm and appreciate uh, all who are here, every gender that is represented in this place and know that collectively we can heal from uh, these wounds and we can dismantle and disrupt sexism so that we are each safe emotionally and physically to live full lives of purpose, uh, full lives of possibility, uh, full lives of joy. Well, as we prepare to close this week's episode, we have a special bonus poem that came in from Annie Francis, and it was inspired by International Women's Day, so it is timely for this episode, and I will read an excerpt from Annie's poem. Anger Saves Us by Annie Francis. Power, water flowing down a river, women Magic flowing down our veins, unable to attain justice in this world, but we hold resistance. Do they not know the fire that breathes inside of us when they belittle our very existence? United are those who stand tall with strength, breathing healing into the women that don't know their own length. How can she? She's been crushed a million times. My soul says to put this to an end. We are no longer your dimes. Battling against this misogynistic, racist, chaotic world, we will continue to resist. Using our magical feminine power to lead a revolution is at the top of our list. I'm speaking for my mother who only knows pain. She was spit on, laughed at. Though she stayed proud of her family name, I'm sorry, mom. No one was there to protect you from their games. I've learned their strategy over the years. These generational curses I send up in flames. They knew you were a diamond with a soul full of healing. Walking over, you brought them a false sense of power. Little did they know you birthed a warrior, not a flower. Though you've hurt me too, your mental illness brings me no shame. My compassion has been built up for you. Your family name is to blame. We will rise from the ashes, all of us women. From the depths of traumatic abuse, we will keep on swimming. Like a water flowing down a river, we will not stop. Fueled by our teardrops, we will stand strong in our emotions for they hold other magic as powerful as all of the oceans. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that piece. I am so appreciative, Annie, and reminding us of our power and breaking those generational curses, generational cycles, and standing in our strength. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I am so grateful for both our introductory poem and our closing poem, and so grateful for all of you here on today. I invite your souls to tell your heart, mind, body, and spirit, welcome home.